tuning in to the Woodside Student Ministry Podcast. This week, we'll be continuing in our Vineyard Initiative series. We hope you enjoy the message. For more information, you can go to woodsedge.org slash students. Jesus, thanks for today. I am excited about what we have to talk about. I have not worked this much on a message and I don't know how, uh, how long. I just feel like I have more to say than I can say. So I pray that you'd bless me with discernment on knowing what to say. But um, this idea of planting truth in our hearts is so close to my heart. And I pray right now in, Jesus, in your name that you would just remove any and every distraction from our minds. May we just pre-decide right now to listen to every word, to receive it not just in our brains, but our hearts. Um, If there's something that could distract us, a phone, a thought, may we just put that thing away. We want to hear from you. We want to experience you in power today. We welcome it. Come and do what you do best. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. We're going to start off with just a fun little true or false quiz, all right? And I have the questions up here, so I'm just going to read them off. But... um, We're talking about planting God's word in our heart today. We're talking about planting truth in our hearts. And so I thought a true-false quiz would be a fun way to start. So question number one on the true-false quiz. Pastor Joe, his full name, true or false, is Joseph Franklin Lanzalotti. Is that really Joe's full name, true or false? Anybody got it? True. True? All right, if you think it's true, yell true. True. False? week. Well, it's false. Joe's real name is Joseph Francis Lanzalotti, and you should call him that every chance you get. And you'll notice I put, please forgive me, Joe, on there. All right. Question number two, true or false? Pastor Justin used to be a runway model. All right. Wait. Here. True? False? Survey says... It's true. It's true. Like once, maybe three times. And I, again, I, I am thankful that there was no Facebook back then because they'd be out there and you'd be able to find them. But there are no photos, and I'm so thankful. All right, question number three. More people have died from taking selfies this year than from shark attacks. True? False? It is. It's totally true. Eight people have died from shark attacks this year. Twelve, including one this weekend, from selfies. So excited to get that selfie taken, and they're not paying attention, and they're getting electrocuted because the stick hits a wire. They're falling off of the Taj Mahal. You guys, watch out taking your selfies. I don't want you to die. All right, next question. True or false? Christopher Columbus discovered America. All right, here. True? False? false? That's right. It's false. It was an Italian, uh, well, we'll clarify. An Italian sailor, a Muslim scholar, and Viking explorers all discovered America before Columbus. And you can look that up. What? Leif Erikson. He was a Viking. So it's up there. Come on, chill out. All right. Um, the United States hailed as the land of the free, is the most free country in the world. True or false? True? I hear a lot of comfort. I don't know what you're saying. False? False. All right. Okay, you guys, don't, don't put the answer up. Do you think we're in the top 10? Countries of all the world? All right, top 10. True? 
false? Nobody really knows. I don't hear a lot of conviction. Survey says false. According to the World Liberty Index, the United States is ranked 12th on the freedom scale and is no longer even classified as free, but only as mostly free. That's crazy, right? I mean, you'd think this is just a staple. This is just, you just know we're the land of the free. At least we're in the top 10, and we're not. That's crazy. That's crazy. Point being, some of the things that we think we know are just true, not necessarily. All right. What's that? Who's number one? Hong Kong. Number two is the Bahamas. Number three is uh, Switzerland and then Denmark and Finland. I don't know where Australia is, but still, they're up there. But yeah, we are not number one. We're, we're, not, we're not even in the top ten. All right, last question. True or false? How you feel alters your brain chemistry. How you feel actually changes the way your brain works. Is that true? Is that false? True? False? False? It's true. Now listen to this. This is important. This is our leaping off point for the rest of the message. Both positive and negative feelings produce actual chemicals in our brains, which, if permitted long enough, can actually alter how our brains function. If you feel something and you feel it every day and you allow yourself to feel it every day, it sends chemicals. And just like a really busy highway, the more those chemicals do their deal, it actually like smooths out and widens this highway, and that becomes your default emotion. And it changes the way your brain thinks. That's crazy to me. Do we have a couple follow-up quotes based on the study that I took that from? Despite their differences, pride, shame, and guilt all activate similar neural circuits, including the dorsomedial prefrontal cortex, amygdala, insula, and the nucleus, acumens. I should have practiced this. I'm sure I'm saying those perfectly. Interestingly, pride is the most powerful of these emotions at triggering activity in these regions, except in the nucleus acumens where guilt and shame went out. So this explains why it can be so appealing to heap guilt and shame upon ourselves because they're actually activating the brain's reward center. I don't understand that a thousand percent, but what I do understand is that those feelings produce actual chemicals and they, they change the way that I think. Pride and guilt and shame. And I think it's interesting to point out that pride is the most powerful of those and what is the root of all evil and sin in the world? Pride. It's the most powerful one. On the flip side, next slide, a powerful effect of gratitude is that it can boost serotonin. And trying to think of things that you are grateful for forces you to focus on the positive aspects of your life. And this simple act increases serotonin production in the anterior cingulate cortex. Do you know what Prozac does? It boosts the neurotransmitter serotonin. So does gratitude. Do you know what the antidepressant Welbutrin does? It boosts the neurotransmitter dopamine. And so does gratitude. Gratitude produces chemicals, plural, that make you feel physically better and change the way that you think over time. That's amazing to me, that our bodies can produce chemicals just based on how we feel that change the way that we think. I want you guys to just ponder that for a second. Give me time to drink my water. All right.
So here's our statement that we're going to work off this morning. How we allow ourselves to feel shapes who we become. Because your feelings, you're, you're bigger than your feelings. You're greater than your feelings. So I'm not going to say how we feel shapes who we become, but how we allow ourselves to feel. Because you could change the way you feel. So if allowed enough time, grateful feelings make you a grateful person. Hateful feelings can make you a hateful person. Sad feelings, sad person. Glad feelings, glad person. How we allow ourselves to feel over time becomes our default feeling in so many circumstances. I struggle with complaining. And so, because I have struggled with that so much in the past, my default emotional response when I hear news, good or bad, is to sometimes complain. Because I've just let that become something big in my mind. And it's the same for you. What's your default feeling? You have control over it. And if you don't like what that default feeling is, you can change it. But it will be a little bit of a fight. All right. So last weekend, show me my picture of stones. We had you guys come up here and write out your negative beliefs, lies that you've been believing, your hidden shame, sins, whatever. We wrote them on stones, and we gave those stones to God, right? We asked God to remove these sins and these struggles, um, and there's just some examples of some. I read all of those. I prayed over all of those and all of you guys last weekend. It was really powerful for me to read this. You guys, you guys are wrestling with some real heavy, harmful stuff. I hurt for you. I enjoy the, the privilege of being able to pray for you. Um, I read, as I read, I noticed, and some of the ones that are easier to read than others, I, I did that on purpose. Many of the things you guys wrote out, that I wrote out, many of those were feelings. Pride, fear, pain, lust, anger, sadness, loneliness, confusion, inadequacy. These feelings were things that you're like, God, take this from me. They were feelings. Most of them were feelings. Our feelings, in many cases on these rocks, resulted in actions. Many of you guys wrote down actions that you wanted God to take. Things like jealousy of others, judging others, hating others, stealing looking at inappropriate stuff online in magazines, foul language, unhealthy relationships, substance abuse. A lot of the feelings that you guys wrote down resulted in some cases in actions that you guys wrote down, right? And then some of those actions had created false beliefs about yourself, about a relationship, about the Lord. Examples of that were, I don't love so-and-so. It's a false belief. I don't um, feel like somebody loves me, like parents. And you guys, they do, even if they're not great at showing it. I'm not good enough was a belief that's false that was written on those stones. I'm unwanted. I can't stop this. I can't forgive her or him. These are all false beliefs that we have allowed ourselves to feel this way and then we acted on this feeling, and it became a false belief. And we do what we can only do, is go to God and say, help me with this. Because no matter how many self-help books you read, or how many people you talk to, it's God and God alone that can fix these things for us. So, how we allow ourselves to feel shapes who we become. 
So I'll give you a, a real concrete kind of formulaic example of what I'm talking about. We feel something, right? Just think of something you feel. And then we act on that feeling. We put that feeling into action. And then because we're acting on this feeling, we start to believe that that feeling is real, that it defines who we are. And as such, that feeling, it started off just as a feeling, has now become a truth. Does that make sense? It kind of needs to, because it's true. That's how we operate. So here's an example. We'll give you guys a couple of examples of what this looks like. What are you guys afraid of? Right? Give me some examples. Who's afraid of something? Anybody afraid of spiders? I don't like spiders. What are you afraid of? Snakes. Absolutely. Anybody afraid of something over here? It can be anything you want. What do you got, Calissa? Afraid of diseases? So is Brooke. You're afraid of the dark? So is my son. There's no shame in that, dude. Dark can be scary. What do you got, Gwen? Creepy things, right? Creepy things. Ha, little girl. No, creepy. What do you got? Stepping in poop that animals leave behind. I'm not afraid of that, but I don't like it. Did I have one more? Anybody? One last one? What do you got? Ice? Heights. Although I'm sure people are afraid of ice, too. Icicles, they kill you. What do you got? Scared of getting hurt. Scared of pain. My son is scared of pain. Last week, I put the rocks together. And in so doing, my kids got to watch me, and I got to tell them about how brave you guys were getting rid of your junk. And they like, can we do a rock? And I'm like, absolutely. And my son had me write pain on his rock because he's scared of getting hurt. Aren't, aren't we all scared of getting hurt? All right, so here's my example. Here's some examples for me. Anybody ever been afraid of taking a test? Yeah, me too. So here's an example. You feel fear about whatever, but in this case, a test. So you act on that feeling. What are some ways you can act on that feeling? You can procrastinate. You can compare yourself to the other people in the classroom. That ain't going to do you any good. You can think of ways to get out of taking the test or how to cheat on the test. Anybody ever done that? I have. And as you act in those ways, you believe your fear is real, and it results in your feeling of being afraid of taking a test becomes a truth about you. And what are some examples of that? You could believe, based on your feeling, that you're stupid. You could believe based on your feeling that you are a cheater and you can only cheat and that's the only way you can pass that test. You can believe everyone is better and smarter than me. All because of a fear that you had about a, a tough class for you. None of those things are true, but we all can be susceptible to believe them based on, I'm afraid of taking this test. I don't know if I can do well. Another example, anybody ever been angry at somebody? Anger, anybody know that feeling? I know that feeling all too well. We feel anger. How, how might we act on that feeling? You might ignore someone for like a year. It does not work out that well. You could say something behind their back or to their face that's hurtful. You could slander them. You could say something that you can't take back. You might do something intentionally to hurt them, like key their car or punch them in the face. And so your feeling of anger, however justified it might be, you act on it and you believe it, that anger becomes a belief and it results in your feeling has now become a truth that I hate that person. Or I'm never going to let my guard down 
again. Man, you can't protect yourself from everything all the time. That's exhausting. But that's what we do. I'm never going to let my guard down again. Or just this. You know, it's people. People aren't safe. I, I can't open up to people. I'll never share my real feelings with people. None of those things are good for you. None of those things are healthy. But those things can be true if we allow our feeling of hate, anger, to become action, belief, truth. Last example. Anybody ever been tempted to do something they know ain't going to work out for them? All your hands should be up. I have. We have a temptation. We feel a desire. We act on that feeling. How do we act on it? You could stare at the object of your desire. Like you, you, you could obsess over it. Whether it's a thing or a person, you obsess over this thing that you want and desire. You might do something to possess that temptation. You could act on it. You could steal it, you could take it, you could say, let's go out, even though I know you're not a Christian, whatever. There's a ton of examples. You'll do something to possess this temptation, this desire, often without ever consulting the Lord. Is this even good for me? That feeling becomes a truth about you. And it could, that truth could be, I'm gross. Um, I'm weak. I'm selfish. Some of those examples could be, I'm a drug user. I'm an alcoholic because I can't not do this thing. That all started out with a feeling. Um, I'm addicted to fill in the blank. How we allow ourselves to feel shapes who we become. There's only one problem with that method. Our feelings are totally unreliable. Our feelings cannot be trusted. Why? Because I've got a million feelings a day. I felt differently than I do right now when I walked in the door of this building this morning. I walked in this morning a little apprehensive, and right now I'm feeling jazzed, like God used this message. My feelings change all the time, almost minute to minute. And so do yours. Your feelings change. Are all the feelings that you feel throughout the entire day true? You ever feel angry at somebody? Is that true? Do you know all the facts? You ever feel like cheating? Well, did you? Did you not? Your feelings change... So are all your feelings 100% true? No, no they're not. But let's define, what is truth, right? And we'll just look at the dictionary. I could give a sermon and a half on this, but what is truth? Anybody want to guess? No, no, put it up. I don't want to take it away. That's too late. All right, no, don't put it on the plant. All right, what is truth? If you didn't see the definition, what do you think it is, Jane? Are you about to say, an indisputable fact? We'll skip to it. Truth is an indisputable, unarguable, unchangeable fact or principle. An indisputable, like you cannot argue your way out of this. It's irreducible. This is truth. This is a fact. And so we have to ask the question, are our feelings indisputable facts? True or false? False. Are your feelings 100% all the time true or false? False. Because feelings change. By definition, truth is unchanging. And feelings are constantly changing. So another question we have to ask is, does it make sense for you or I to let something that's constantly changing define for us what should be unchanging. 
That's a really wordy way of saying you cannot rely on your feelings to tell you what's true because your feelings change all the time. And truth, by definition, never changes. It is true all the time. And a lot of the things that we learn even in school, like for me, Christopher Columbus discovered America. No, he didn't. He absolutely did not. So, last weekend, we removed lies about ourselves that we've been believing, lies about what we believe about God. We removed hidden sins, false beliefs, negative feelings. I want to show you guys a video that I made later in the day. Some of you might have seen it online. But we got a video of what I did with those stones. Me and my family went out to the Woodlands Waterway, and we snuck onto the road, not very sneaky, carrying this giant tub of rocks, which was so heavy and I almost dropped. And this is what we did with them, just as an illustration of how far God has removed your sin from you that you wrote on those rocks. So play that video nice and loud, lights down. So there's your rock. There's your sin, there's your shame, there's your negative feeling. At the bottom of the Woodlands Waterway, you will never see it again. It is gone. That is how faithful and good God is. When we give him something, he takes it. He removes it. And your sin, your shame, your lie, your feeling that you've been feeling about yourself, that you hate, that you might have embraced at first but reject now, is gone. It's 100% gone. But that's only half the work. You removed it. God helped you remove it. But you still have work to do. We'll let that linger. You guys might remember two weeks ago, my buddy, my former student, Michael Rivers, Marine, super, I mean, he's, he's more buff than anyone in this room, really more than two or three of you combined in this room. The kid is huge. He's strong. He's a soldier. He's intimidating. Um, if we were to get in a fight, I would die. And if you, three of you came to my back, he would eat you too. He's a strong man. He's one of my first students. Michael Rivers called me two weeks ago, and he had been making some bad decisions. He had been feeling the wrong way about himself, about God, and about his circumstance for like two years. He knew Jesus, he had a relationship with him, but he'd just been going the wrong way. And he'd been believing some lies based on some feelings. And we prayed, and he confessed those things, and gave them to Jesus, kind of like that. We helped him, I helped him with Brooke, make some boundaries to protect himself, and everything was good. He called me the next day, and he's like, you know, he sent me a text, man, I feel so much better after removing that false belief about who I was, that feeling. Well, he called me again last Sunday, a week later, and I could just tell from his voice, just unsure timid that he was hurting and he couldn't even get out what he was trying to say and I just said Michael are you okay are you still feeling bad about what you removed like it's gone right so you don't have to feel bad about it and I want you to hear what he said to me in response it's it's sad and beautiful Michael are you okay do you still feel bad about what was removed like you don't have to feel bad about it how do you feel what's going on and he said I don't feel bad. I don't feel sh ashamed. I don't feel guilty about the bad things that I did. Because he knew they were gone. He knew they were removed. He knew the, the work had been done between him and the Lord. He said, I just feel empty. 
I don't feel bad anymore because God has removed it. But now I feel empty. You guys, when we remove something, what's left? Talking about the Vineyard Initiative. When you dig a hole in the ground to remove a stone from your heart, what's left? A big, fat, empty hole. And you got to fill it. If you don't fill it, you could just as easily fall into it. When we remove things, when we have God remove stuff on our behalf, that's only half the job. You've got to replace what was removed. You've got to receive something from the Lord and replace the lie that was taken away with some truth. Michael removed his sin with the Lord, faithfully and just as the Bible says he should. It was a beautiful confession, but he didn't replace it with anything. He wasn't reading the word. He wasn't asking God, what am I supposed to do next? He just, he enjoyed the freedom that came with confessing his sin, but he didn't replace it with anything. The Isaiah chapter 5, 1 through 2 verse that we built the Vineyard Initiative on, right? This beautiful picture of what discipleship should look like says, my beloved, who's God, had a vineyard, who is us, on a rich and fertile hill, which is church, which is life, which is everything you need to have a life with Jesus. My beloved had a vineyard on a rich and fertile hill. The first thing he did was he protected it. He set some boundaries around it. Next, he cleared the stones. He removed junk in the ground to prevent it from bearing fruit, which is what we did last week. And then he planted it with the best vines. He planted something in that hole to replace it that would grow and be fruitful and be good. You guys, what are the best vines that are being referred to in this passage? It is talking about nothing else but the Word of God. Truth. I'm going to cruise through this last piece. We need, all of us, a true source for truth in our lives. We need to base our beliefs on something that's unchanging. And the only thing that is 100% reliable, unchanging from the beginning of time is this book, the Bible, which you have one under every single one of your seats right now. You have liquid, unchanging truth under your butts. It will never change. All of those words are true, have always been true, and always will be true. That's where you should go for your source of truth, not your feelings, which change all the time. Many of you are feeling things in this season of your life, and they're only going to lead to harm, hurt, false beliefs. You want to know who you are? You want to know who God is? Go straight to the source. You, know what? you want to know why you're alive on this earth and what your purpose is? Go to the source. Your feelings are not trustworthy. They're, they're just indicators that something might be wrong or you're feeling pain or fear or whatever, but they're not the truth about who you are or your circumstances. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says this, All scripture, every word in this book, is inspired by God, and it is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. What else on this earth can do that for you but this book? This book is inspired by God, every single word, and it tells you what's true. It helps you realize what's wrong in your life. It corrects you when you're wrong, and it teaches you to do what is right. This book can do that better for you than me, your parents, your teachers. This book 
God's word spoken for you. Hebrews 4, chapter 12, for the word of God, the Bible, is alive and powerful. I'm holding this, this inanimate book, and right there it said, this thing is alive. It speaks. It's true. It's breathing. The word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. The words in this book can cut right into your heart and separate what is godly from what is ungodly. Your feelings that are true and your feelings that are false. Only this book can do that. So we're going to close and I'm going to invite the band to come up here. We've been deceived, every single one of us, since the day we were born. Just like Adam and Eve were deceived in the Garden of Eden. We have been deceived into thinking that our feelings are absolute truth. Some of you guys have feelings that are, there's, they couldn't be further from the truth about who you are, how people feel about you. We've been deceived into thinking that our feelings are absolute truth. We think that it's right and good and healthy to feel something, and because we feel it, well, we gotta act on it, and when we act on it, we're, we believe, well, this is fine, because I feel this, so it must be true, and then we make our own truth. We're doing it backwards. We are doing it absolutely backwards. Here's how it should happen. Here's the model God gave us. This book exists so that you can receive truth from the Bible, and then you believe that truth by faith. And by faith, you take that truth and you turn it into an action. And that should result in how you feel. We've been doing it backwards. Truth should dictate how we feel. Our feelings should not dictate truth. So here's how we're going to respond today for a good three, four, five minutes. We're going to turn the lights up in just a second so that people can see. We've got our tithe and our communion. We've set them back in the back of the room to make some room. You're welcome to use, to give to the church through the tithe, to take communion. But our main response is I want you to get alone with the word underneath you. Take that pen, take that Bible, take that piece of paper. And here's what I want us to do. I want to ask two questions today that we're going to throw up on screen and leave for a few minutes. I want you to ask God this. What did you lay down last week? What did you ask God to remove on your behalf? I want you to think about that. I want you to pray about it. If you didn't remove anything, you can right now by just saying, God, take this. I want you to ask God to speak to you about what you're supposed to replace what was removed with. Second question. Are you wrestling with a feeling right now today as I've been talking, like something just keeps coming up? Are you wrestling with a feeling? Ask God to lead you to a scripture that tells how he wants you to feel. You might be wrestling with a feeling that's negative and God is like, I don't want you to feel that way. I want you to feel this way. We're going to ask God to lead you to a scripture that'll tell you how he wants you to feel. I'm going to pray for us and then we're just going to open our Bibles in faith that we land on the exact page we're supposed to and just read those pages and believe that God's got a word in there for you. A word not to condemn you but encourage you. A word not to make you feel bad about yourself, but good about who you are and who God is. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Woods Edge Student Ministry Podcast. Please feel free to share copies of this podcast. Do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way. 
For more information, please visit woodsedge.org students or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash woodsedgestudents.